from Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Today we dig into a topic near and dear to all of our hearts with Bridget Holcomb of the Women, Food, and Agriculture Network. How can we encourage and support more women leaders from our sustainable agriculture community? Listen in for Bridget's inspiring message of why it is so important to have more women's voices in leadership. Bridget serves as the Executive Director of the Women, Food, and Agriculture Network. She received her Master's of Public Affairs with an emphasis on nonprofit management from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Prior to that, she worked in sustainable agriculture advocacy at the Michael Fields Agricultural Institute and the Illinois Stewardship Alliance. A native of northern Minnesota, Bridget has focused her work on clean water, soil conservation, and making a sustainable living from the land. Hello, Bridget Holcomb. We are so excited to chat with you today on, I know, a topic near and dear to your heart and that drives you every day of Encouraging more women in sustainable ag to take on leadership roles. Yes. Of all sorts. Yes. Everything. Yes. From running for office to serving on boards to activating one's community. Yes. So why? Why is this needed? So there there are two ways to answer that question. Um, you know, the, the one way is to say, like, well, there is historically – uh, there is sexism and women are not stepping up in, into these positions for all of these reasons and we need to we need to address that. Um, we need to address the women are only 20% of Congress and 25% of state legislatures, etc. Um, but there's there's another way to, to answer it um, and this answer I like better. It's you know ba- based on research, when I when I say this in front of a room, I usually like apologize to all of the men in the room. <laughs> like I'm about to insult you, but based on research, women in office are more likely to listen in that way, where they actually take in information and are more likely to change their minds. They are more likely to meet with a more diverse range of constituents, and they're more likely to work across the aisle. And I would argue that we need all of that more. So the more women we get into office, the better our policies are going to reflect what we need. And I think it's also going to have a positive effect on the male policymakers as well as they see women in office and how we do it. Definitely. And within that context of more women, why more women with sustainable ag? Yeah. So... Uh, you know, I mentioned the figures for for Congress and and state legislatures. You get down to the local level where so many 
agricultural decisions are made and I'm, I'm talking county boards i'm also talking about all of these these other um places that that we often don't think of but are elected positions like soil and water conservation districts and and there are often states have drainage districts and there are um and then there are all of these boards from nonprofit organizations to uh extension often the county extension often has a board to agricultural cooperative boards like when you look at all of these places where agricultural decisions are made it's often hard to find a woman in the room and I just on, um, you know, on my more fanciful days, I like to, to dream about how different would policy look? How different would our agriculture look if tomorrow half of all of those seats were taken up with women? That's a very nice thought. <laughs> but it's, it's an important one because, yes, things would be arguably different. Absolutely. I'd agree with you immediately better. And to all those things you said, more inclusive, more collaborative, more representative of our society, number one. Absolutely. <laughs> but more forward thinking as well. So uh, talking specifically on the women in sustainable ag community and both farmers and activists and educators and all the women involved with the Women Food and Ag Network, what, why? I mean, what are our barriers? Do we have different barriers than other women not running for office or... No, our our barriers are are often the same. Um, and the the two biggest ones are, while men tend to look for positions to to run for either elected office or, or um, you know leadership positions within um, within their organizations to to put in their names for, uh, you know men look for those positions and we women tend to wait to be asked. And the other is while men tend to think, okay, I don't know everything that I, I need to know to, to do this position yet, I'll learn it on the fly. We women think, oh, there's uh, so much more that I need to learn before I will be ready for this position. Interesting. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and we actually know that um, when, when looking at management positions, Men will apply if they meet 70% of the criteria, and women will only apply if they meet 100%. So we women, we're, we're waiting to be asked. We, we want to be asked, and we want to be uh, 100% ready. So when we do our Plate to Politics program, there... There's all of this good stuff that, that we're doing. There's all, there's all of this, um, you know, education and, and getting women ready for, for what they're going to, to be experiencing. But I think two of the most important things that we do is we ask women, will you please run for office? You are needed. And we also tell women, you are not going to feel ready. Don't let that stop you. Learn as you go. Learn as you go. Because the other option is, to have somebody else who thinks that he or, or possibly she is already 100% ready. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of opportunity for leadership as well in the sense of particularly, again, women in the sustainable ed community running for office, yes. But all of those local positions you mentioned, some elected but others yeah. appointed, there is such opportunity on the local level to step up that for especially for... Well, even women like myself who perhaps didn't grow up in rural areas, and we might, we're just not as connected 
to county boards and township boards and farm service agency county committees and all these things that really uh, lead our local areas yeah, and make absolutely. decisions. I, when you When you talk about drainage districts, you are talking about who gets access to water. And I would love to have more women with uh, community-based perspectives making those decisions than uh, an old boys network, which is what we have for a lot of those positions. So you mentioned the Plate to Politics program. Yes. What? Tell me more about that, because that, that, that's intended to do exactly what we're talking about, right? Provide training and skills and encouragement. Yes. For yeah, because. Us to step- there are a lot of programs out there to to help women get into um, leadership and run for elected office. Plate to Politics is very specifically for women in food and agriculture um, because not only are we more likely to be in rural areas, but even for those of us in food and agriculture in urban areas, like we have those passions that we want to take into these decision-making roles. Uh, and then we're also dealing with a, a lot of issues of all of all of our members, all of you know our entire network of 10,000 women across the country. We're all super busy. And so how do we prioritize that? How do we make sure that even if we're not running for office, how do we make sure that we're getting our, our voices heard? How are we making sure that, that we're calling our elected officials on, on those super important issues? Really, we started this program because we want to see, we want the the voice of women in food and agriculture to be stronger. And louder. And louder. <laughs> so you had mentioned just now other tactics, because if running for office may not be the right fit right now in one's life, right? Uh, what are other things that we should keep on our our daily radar? You mentioned like calling constituents. And I clearly remember, I think it was back in your Michael Fields days, when I remember hearing from you about, that was the first time I made my first constituent calls because... Oh, great. Yeah. But it was what you said about, I thought, you know, you need hundreds and thousands or like kind of what's the point? Yeah. And that this is really intimidating. And A, like you said, seven, 10 calls. I mean, a, a handful of calls, single digit calls make a difference, raise an issue on a yeah. representative's a barometer. And once you get past that first one, it's not intimidating anymore. At least yes. that's my experience. The first one, you know, but there's training. There's things that uh, I mean, the Plate to Politics program does. There's a lot of resources there. Yeah. The National Sustainable Ag Coalition, Michael Fields, that will help you talk through that. But yeah. Um, well, well, let me tell you the, the story that, that I, I tell in, in these workshops that uh, apparently inspired you to make phone calls. So it, it's, I was interning. Um, at Michael Fields Ag Institute with Margaret Crome. And we were planning this this major federal campaign where we were going to try to get uh, like over $100 million of this uh, pot of research money to go to sustainable agriculture. And I am a little green, like trying to do good um, uh, future lobbyist. And I was on the, the a, a conference call with a bunch of people from the National Sustainable Ag Coalition, including like Ferd Hefner, who was like the, the grandfather of policy um, in sustainable agriculture. And I, I finally 
got up the, the nerve to ask the question, okay, we've, we've identified like who within the, the Senate and who within Congress we want to target. And so we know what states and we know that we need to, to get people to make phone calls in these states. How many, how many phone calls do we need to get into each of these offices? And Ferd Hefner said very slowly, thoughtfully said, I think seven. And I, I just froze in that moment because I thought, <laughs> okay, he's either going to say 70 or 700. And 70 is going to be like nights and weekends for the next three months. But like 700 is just like impossible. How am I going to get 700? And then he stopped at seven. <laughs> and I, I began to realize like, oh, okay. So obviously healthcare, military spending. Like there are huge programs that, uh, huge issues that seven phone calls is not going to sway a vote. But for so much of what we in sustainable agriculture are fighting for, seven votes or seven phone calls will sway a vote. And I, I, I think about, I still think about that. Like I can get six friends to call in on this and we can change this. Yeah, that's empowering. Especially to as women farmers and involved with this, we have personal stories to tie to them or ways we've used programs. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a, a reason why we're afraid of calling, um, making that first phone call is because we're afraid that we're going to get quizzed or like we're, we're we some, to defend ourselves. Right. We're going to we're going to make ourselves look foolish somehow. And so the other thing that I like to say is, when you call, you are most likely going to talk to a very, very nice 20-year-old who is doing an internship in college. Like, you are going to be welcomed. You, your information will be written down and passed on to the relevant person. Like, it will be a, um, only contentious if you make it contentious. It will be a lovely conversation. And, and from your conversations, has that been what your experience has been? Yeah, and they've been really fast and short. I right. mean, it's not a lengthy, or doesn't have to be a lengthy conversation by any means. Yeah, two minutes is great. Yeah, so that's a good tool for women to keep in their, because they arsenal. But I mean, in, hey, yeah. in, a, in a, you know, uh, things that we can all do. What are another another idea you'd have, Bridget? That okay, I can't run for office today, maybe tomorrow, but I can take a leadership role and make a difference. By calling my representatives and... Yeah. Um, two other suggestions. One is for those local positions, uh, especially, that you are running into, <laughs> that you are upset with some policy that they've made. If you're not ready to run for that yet, ask one of your female friends to. And I believe you have have done this, haven't you? Didn't oh, you? Oh, <laughs> it's my new calling. Yeah, excellent. I love it. Even if somebody can't, just the fact that you asked, you planted the seed. Absolutely. And a likely response that you'll get is, you know, I thought of that too. So that that can be empowering. And then the the other thing that that I want to that I would encourage women to think about is every time a woman thinks, oh, this isn't the right time in my life. Take a beat and ask why. Because as much as as I want to, and, and we have to respect, like women who have, uh, uh, you know, just getting their farming operation going, or women who have children at home, or whatever the reason, like, you know, it is your life decision. We respect that. However, 
How often do you hear men say, it's not the right time in my life? That's very true. So I really encourage women to think, could this be the right time in my life? What, what would need to change? What kind of help would I need? Could I ask for that help to make it the right time? Because man alive, do we need women in elected office and right now? And there never really is the right time. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm trying to think if I've ever really talked to a woman who's taken on a significant leadership role or ran for office when she said, I did this because all the stars were aligned. <laughs> you know, it was, right. It, it was... There's always something, right? We we are amazing at rising to the occasion that needs us. And this is an occasion that needs us. Yeah, yeah. And even, too, if uh, not right now, in the future, there's skills you can keep developing. Yes. Um, and networking, which yeah. comes so... Um, easily to a lot of us or or you know is instilled in so many of us women in sustainable agriculture just meeting as many people as possible and then um and then there are things that we work on through play to politics um that uh women can come in and work on there like your stump speech giving an elevator pitch like being able to introduce yourself and get a point across and then move on in 30 seconds is this is essential and it is a great skill to have no matter what you're doing so i i either play to politics or some other women's training is always helpful well that's a good skill to have when you're in the local mechanic shop too isn't it <laughs> they cross pollinate indeed indeed excellent all righty thank you bridget thank you lisa thanks for listening to our in her boots podcast I'm your host, Lisa Kiverest, with the Moses In Her Boots Project. This episode's audio engineer was Liam Kiverest of TechSocket.net. The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, Moses. The mission of Moses is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. For more information on Moses, In Her Boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.